Welcome to Zimmerman Podcast, Episode 79. Today, I'm sitting down with Lindsay Meyer of Lindsay Meyer Art. If you don't know her from her signature colorful artwork and rugs, then you might know her as my very best friend, Lily, from my book, Sleeping with a Stranger. Today, Lindsay and I are dishing about some of the stories in the book, what it was like growing up together, and what our real-life friendship looks like. But we're also talking about Lindsay's business, how she expanded from painting to rug design, and how she balances motherhood and her business journey. Lindsay would be an amazing guest, even if she wasn't my best friend. And I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today. All right, you ready? Let's do it. I'm Jessica Zimmerman, and this is Zimmerman Podcast. I'm a serial entrepreneur, mom to three, and professional oversharer who has spent a decade building my business and helping others do the same. From wedding floral design to business education, features in Martha Stewart Weddings and Forbes magazine, and even writing and publishing my best-selling memoir, Sleeping with a Stranger, my business has kept growing, evolving, and changing year after year, just like me. Because the best thing about building a strong business is the freedom it gives me to live a full life. And that's what Zimmerman Podcast is all about, sharing real, transparent, in-the-moment reflections about how to live a life, build a business, and lead a family through the good, the hard, and the messy. That's what we're doing each week right here on Zimmerman Podcast. Welcome to the show. Hi, Lynn. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I am good. Okay, so this is interesting, guys, because Lindsay is, uh, she's my best friend. And so we actually were on the phone earlier today. So it's, we're going to, we're going to have to rem- remember that we're being recorded <laughs> um, and that this is going to air. <laughs> this is going to be fun, though. Okay, so obviously, I know essentially everything about you, but I doubt that my listeners know um, much more except the fact that what I share in my book, and for those of you who don't know, um, this is Lily from the book. So surprise, (laughs) it's you. Hey, everybody. Um, So tell us a little bit about, uh, just a little bit about you, how you and I know each other and what you do, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So me and Jess have known each other since we were eight years old. My family moved to Conway and we met on the playground. Uh, it's kind of a funny story. We'll maybe save that for later. But I now live in Dallas with my husband and three kids and I'm an artist. Um, I do abstract and impressionistic artwork and then recently have started a rug business where I design rugs and sell them um, to people that need custom things made, sizes and colors. So it's kind of more of a specialty niche, I guess you could say, within the rug business. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna get into that a little bit later because I'm fascinated to know more about that. Um what okay, so what is your memory of that eight year old, you know, the playground when we were eight? What's your memory of that? Um, I remember that my mom made me wear this terrible sweater and I was really (laughs) distraught about it. Um, We were always arguing about clothing. This is my first day of school at a new place, a new city. And I'm sitting there alone, just hopping on some tires when that was a cool thing. 
Yeah, there were tires. They were like halfway in the ground and halfway out of the ground. And so you like jumped from tire to tire like stepping stones. Yeah, typical 80s playground situation. And I just remember you coming up to me and starting to talk and full of conversation. And we just kind of clicked. That was it. Shocking. Shocking. I, I remember going, I'm telling you, I've, I've been this way my whole life. There is, um, There are moments where I see people. And I'm like, yep, don't know a thing about them, but they're um, they're supposed to be in my life. And that was true when I met you at eight years old. That was true when I met Brian at 18 years old. That was true yeah. when I met Kara, the, the, you know, Kara, as the, mm-hmm. the nutritionist that I worked with um, when I was 37. Um, I mean, it's just, I'm like, these people don't know me from Adam, but I'm about to go introduce myself. And I remember seeing you and going, yeah, she's supposed to be my friend. <laughs> up to you and I remember I just remember you were nice but you were kind of like who is this chick like who is <laughs> you're you're coming on a little strong lady <laughs> no but you do come on strong and that's yeah. one of my favorite things about you oh my I mean, god talk about someone who knows what they want and just goes after it if that's a friendship or a business I mean watch out world uh, well but that's interesting because I really wasn't that way for a big chunk, you know, like middle school, junior high, high school. I think I, I think I kind of shut down a little bit, but I think we all do in a, in a way. Yeah. So tell me how, how was it, what's it like seeing yourself depicted in a book? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about that today is that, you know, when you said that thing about the part about the photography business and you know, I think I want to be a photographer and have my own business. I do not remember that conversation. And so it's so interesting that you take away different experiences from your life that other people do, you know, like you could be in the same place and have a totally different experience or a memory that like our group of friends was so tight, but like, even today we were talking with some of them and it's like, I don't remember half the things that they remember. And I just think that's really fascinating. Yeah, that is, that is really fascinating. I think that, um, that's one thing that I have really learned throughout this process is talking to people and really having to hold space and respect, you know, what they remember from from that situation and how two people can come into a situation with the most um, uh, pure of intentions, with the kindest heart. And you're just it depending on where you are in that place. Like I, when you and I had the photography conference, so that what Lindsay's referring to is there's a moment in the book where I say, I said to my friend, Lily, I want to own my own business one day. I think I want to be a photographer. And she just said, Oh, Jess, I don't think you'll, you'll do that. Now here's you and I had this conversation when we were like driving in our car or, or, you know what I mean? Like turning mm-hmm. the music on to go somewhere. And clearly this, I had been thinking about it, you know what I mean? And so it was heavy on my mind. And to you, it was just like, we're getting ready to go somewhere. You're thinking about something totally different. And you probably were just like, what? You've never even talked about photography. Really? Like, okay, whatever. Let's go to this part. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure that there are times in my life where the, se- I mean, I'm sure of it, where the same thing has happened. Somebody's come to me with something that they were thinking heavy on. And I just was like, yeah, I don't know. And it's like, you know, so it is so interesting. You just never know. You can walk away from a conversation thinking, man, we are on the same page. (laughs) (laughs) You can learn. That is not true. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, totally. But it was such a fun experience for me as your best friend to read the book because in so many of those times or thoughts or situations that you were speaking of, I was like, oh my gosh, I was there, you know, and we were just in that same life together. When you know someone for so long, you just become a part of that person. And so I just loved reading the book so much and just thinking everything you said was true and everything that was depicted was the actual truth. And I've just never been in that situation because someone I've been so close to has never written a book, you know, throughout their life in that way. So I loved it. But then there is a part in the, you know, towards the end where, I mean, Lily redeems herself big time. <laughs> um, I have had so many messages from people saying, I wish I had a Lily in my life. Hmm. And that, I mean, it almost makes me cry just thinking about it because I know that um, there was a time, I mean, you know, when you moved to Dallas and, um, and I think you and I have always had a connection, but there was... Mm -hmm. um, there was this, you know, there was, there was a couple of years, a few years where you were having babies. I was having babies. We were, you know, you were doing your thing in Dallas and I was here and you kind of, as you do, you know, you kind of, you aren't talking as much. Right. And then, um, when I went to therapy and my, uh, and Lynn had said, Larry in the book had said, you really need someone like, who is that person? I was like, it's, it's Lindsay. And then you just were so quick to come with me. Like we just went, we went to, we went to Mexico and we just hung out and talked the whole time. But I have people who say, I don't, I don't have that. Like, I don't have that. And I think that there was a time in my life where I thought almost that I wasn't deserving of that. You know what I mean? That I thought, well, like my sister was my best friend and she's not here. So I'm just never going to get that. And I'm so glad that Lynn was like, no, 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 that's not true. Like, let's, let's pick up the phone and let's, you know, all these relationships are, are work and you have to work at them. But I do think that your kind of friendship is very rare in the sense of you really, and, but you've always been like this. You have always been the friend who genuinely is not judgmental. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like never, like you just, you accept people for who they are. And I think that's part of me seeing you, even when we were growing up, like stand up for people and befriending people who maybe didn't have a lot of friends. Like, uh, I think that was part of what ultimately made me feel, you know, safe with you, that I could share these really dark things going on in my life with you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just think that's so important. I mean, I think I value that most in a friendship, just the loyalty there and what you see is what you get. And when someone tells you something, you are a vault. Like, don't even think about telling your friends, let alone, I mean, even your husband. I just don't do mm -hmm. that when friends tell me things because I think Same. I value that so much. And it kind of takes someone to be vulnerable and share their mess first that makes you have the place to do that yourself, you know? And so I think with those listening who are saying, oh, I don't have that person. You know, it. I think it takes somebody to be that person. And my mom used to always say this when I was little. She'd say, be an initiator, Lindsay, because initiation is a dying art. Nobody initiates anymore, you know? And I think it always gave me the permission because sometimes people are like, oh, I don't want to bug them or they may not want to hang out with me or whatever. It just kind of gave me a boldness to be like, no, I'm going to ask. All they have to do is say no. You know, what's what can I 
you know, I have nothing to lose. And I think that's what it was for you. And you were like, let's go on this trip. You know, you initiated with me and that meant so much to me because I'm usually the one that's initiating with people. Yeah. And I even think too, like for me growing up, uh, your family and the Wilcox family, who mm-hmm. um, is Stephanie in the book, so much of that is is my experiences with y'all were made me who I am today in the sense of I was very attracted to larger families, you know, because there was there was nothing going on in my house. And so for, you know, uh, in, in Stephanie's case, she had a brother and a sister and a mom and dad. And there was just so much life in that house. Yes. Um, uh, Bashan. So there's no there's no secret. That's why we have a Bashan, <laughs> um, you know. Um, and then in your family, you had, you know, two brothers, a sister, and they kind of treated me like a sister. I mean, your brother oh, yeah. uh, was your your older brother had uh, acted like he had a crush on me. Your younger brother had acted like I was dirt. <laughs> you know, like, well, Ugh. that's the disposition. I'd say that is across the board. Don't take that personal. But yes, Adam, I mean, to this day, he's like, man, I should have married Clay. Shouldn't yeah, my maiden name's Clay. Yeah, um, that's so funny. But, but Matt, I also, I... deep down loved it when I would walk in the door and Matt would go, ugh, Clay's back. Like, (laughs) I loved it because I didn't get any of that. Like, I didn't get any of that kind of sibling teasing, you know? For sure. So it was really wonderful. And I just, I don't know. I love it. I love it so much. So, okay. So you and I are kind of soul twins and and also, uh, meaning we like to talk heavy, if mm-hmm. we're not bearing our soul, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also kind of opposites. And I think that this is something that is really interesting. We'll talk about the opposites thing in a second. But Lindsay and I don't agree on everything. Mm-hmm. And this is what I think also makes a really strong friendship is you can't surround yourself with yes people, you know, who just are going to agree with everything. I mean, there are things that Lindsay and I completely disagree on, but we are respectful of each other's view on it. And I can, I'm able to look and go, I don't feel that way. However, I respect that you do. And I can see why you do. And I can see how everything that you're involved in and everything has led you to that belief. And I respect that. And I just wish that Every relationship could be that respectful. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. But to go to the like opposite things, because, but there's very few people I have in my life that I think are like that, that I can, I mean, Brian's one. I mean, we disagree all the time, but, um, but I think that there's few people that you can disagree with and you don't feel the need to like defend your position. And I don't feel the need to defend my position. It's just like, okay. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. Don't agree, but I could see that, you know? (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think it's so important that you're not just around the same people all the time. A, that's boring. And B, it's not ever putting you in a position of growth, you know, if you're always around everybody who thinks and looks like you all the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. So talking about opposites for a second. Um, So we're both entrepreneurs, which is not something that's, you know, totally totally typical of women where we grew up. And uh, both of our businesses were design related at one point with you designing, you know, paintings and rugs and me doing floral design and wedding planning. But but one of the ways that we're very different is you love color. 
and I am and I am all about neutrals. Like uh-huh. you hate my boring white, black, and beige house, and I love your rugs. But honey, I cannot imagine having a turquoise and pink rug in my house. Like I just, <laughs> I just can't. So what do you? What, what's up with that? How did we? How do we get that way? I don't know. I think your aesthetics have changed too as you've gotten older of just like, and I appreciate it so much. There's sometimes I look at magazines of like Ellen DeGeneres' house or Jeremiah Brandt's and I'm like, that really does, it's so, it's so appealing because everything is just calm, you know? And that's for um, me what it's all about. It's like yeah. life is crazy. These kids are crazy. Business is crazy. I need the house to be calm. Yeah. And I, I try to not go crazy with color, but when I'm starting out, it's all pretty, you know, calm and then it just gets nuts. I don't know. I just, it makes me happy, I guess. I think that there's, someone said a quote once, I think it might be Matisse that um, says that color is my love language. Like someone, God speaks to me through color. And Mm -hmm. I guess I kind of can relate to that. Like, I just feel like there's so much emotion in color and I'm pretty emotional person. Um, I don't know. I can't, I guess I can't even explain it. That's a great question, but I really appreciate neutral palettes. It's just not my wheelhouse, I guess. Right. I, I have been begging Lindsay now for three (laughs) years to do a series of neutral paintings. I even sent you like a picture one the other day and I was like, can we get on board? Um, but I, I, you, are so good with the color. And honestly, since we were eight years old, I remember I still have it. I still have a picture you drew uh, for me and it was of a sunshine. And let me just say that when I drew a sunshine growing up, it was, it was just yellow. It was a yellow sunshine. And this sunshine that you have, it's like, and you're eight, it's yellow. And then it's, you've got the orange faded in and then you've got the red faded in. And it's like, it's like the most alive (laughs) Sunshine. You know what I mean? No, I don't remember that at all. And yeah, and I still have it. And I, I, I think that that's just how you express. Like I express through more through words, you know, and you express so well through your art. And it's like, of course, you're not going to paint anything neutral, even though I really want you to. Um, But because you're going to express your heart and your heart is so full of color and life and all of that. Hmm. Thanks, Jess. But you're that way, like with, with what you wear, you know, your furniture, all that stuff. So do you think there's any truth to the fact that I think that you are naturally creative yeah, and that you are maybe not naturally business oriented, but you learn how to do business to support your creativity where I think I'm the opposite. I think I am, uh, naturally business minded. And when I was in the wedding world, I had to just kind of hone a craft for creative. Like, I don't, I don't think that I'm naturally creative. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's true. Um, like when I have to do my taxes or anything in order or come up with a schedule or project what my next few weeks are going to look like business wise, it, it shuts me down. I've kind of had to learn to be like, this is all going to be fine. This is not the way that you naturally work, but you got to do it. And so, I mean, there's some things that I feel like with my business that I am good at is like the marketing and the 
um, the pictures and posting words and, and things like that with Instagram or Pinterest. But yes, I would rather outsource those things all day long. They're not, they're not my first gift at all. Okay, so summer 2019, imagine me waking up at 5 a.m., taking my kids to the gym while I work out with my trainer, going to the pool, playing blocks on the living room floor, and then wham, totally out of energy by 4 p.m., crawling into bed in my Christmas pajamas. I was already doing all the energy-boosting things I could think of. Then my nutritionist told me about Bee Powered from Beekeepers Naturals. I just take a spoonful of the Bee Powered Superfood Honey every morning, and I'm not kidding. I see a huge difference. I know not everyone can have a nutritionist, but anyone can get this superfood honey, and I'm making it even more accessible for you. If you use the link in my show notes or simply go to ZimmermanPodcast.com slash B, you'll get 15% off your order from Beekeepers Naturals. So if you're a tired entrepreneur or foggy-brained parent, you need this stuff. Again, go to ZimmermanPodcast.com slash B-E-E. When was it after you married Kirk and you moved to Dallas, was there ever a part of you that thought, I'm going to go get a job doing this or this? Or what made you start painting and selling your art? Yeah. Um, so I was a buyer, wanted to be a buyer for Neiman Marcus and um, was a buyer for a small clothing store in Northwest Arkansas for a short time. And we got married shortly after Kirk was like, we're moving back to Dallas. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And so I went back to school at night because I didn't want to do fashion and buying was way more numbers in business than I ever really realized that it would be. So I was going back to school at night and taking graphic design classes and I was working for a card company and I was doing like the modern um, contemporary line of this card company in Dallas. And then at night I'd go back to school and just try to learn more Photoshop and Illustrator and all of the pro the programs that, that does that. And so I took a painting class and it was a watercolor class and I fell in love with my teacher. She was the most wonderful person who just invested in me and said, you have a talent for this. You know, I hope that you foster this creativity and you're natural. And, um, then I got tired of doing cards because it was all remote and I had had my first son, Shepard, and it was just hard to go back and forth. Also, also your only son. He's also your only son. Yes, only son. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so graphic design just moves so fast. It's back and forth. And it's really hard to do freelance stuff for me because you're when you're in the room with everybody, it just moves along so quickly. Um, so I stopped doing that and started working for an interior designer who needed clients or sorry, who knew clients who needed a low budget for art. And so I had just recently been painting for my own fun and fulfilling all of our white apartment walls in Dallas. And she had come over and said, Oh my gosh, you know, this art is great, you know? And I was like, Oh, thanks. It's, it was so fun. And she was like, you painted this. And that's exactly how it started. She started placing my artwork up on the walls of her clients who had a really low budget for art and it kind of took off. 
so then at that point, are you thinking, okay, I can actually do this as a business, make money and make a living off of this? Yeah, I wanted to stay home with Shep and be the the mom for him that I could be, but I wanted something flexible on the side. And so she would call me and would say, we need this size, this piece. Can you do this? And then it kind of evolved in that way. And then one of my friends offered to have an art show for me at her house. And my brother came in, he was the DJ slash bartender and was I love it. everybody Shout out to Matt Steinfeld, Matt who Steinfeld. dropped an album. Absolutely. Yes. You should What's it called? Out. I forgot. The Return of Hollis McCluskey. I, what does it mean? I, you know, I texted him the other day. He lives in Lithuania. So our time change is so different. Um, I have no idea. I was like, I love it. No, Matt, what is this about? And he's didn't respond. So, well, you know, um, we'll find out eventually, but but, but like, and your sister does jewelry. He did this album. Like there's creativity, like in y'all's blood. It's just, it's just there. And you kind of get that a little bit from, I remember your mom was always, there was always like a fabric swatch or something. I mean, and she yeah. was always doing stuff. Oh, she sewed all our clothes when we were little. We had matching dresses. She would sew, um, you know, placemats and tablecloths and, you know, drapes all the time. The sewing machine was always out. And, yeah, it was just a place of creativity, you know, not only in just like a craft, but just, you know, let's go do this. Let's go do this. And she would come up with creative ways for us to just have fun. Yeah, just fun different things. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. You were saying how your friend did a show. Yes, so Matt got everybody tipsy at this party. Love it. I basically like sold out on a ton of art at the show. And that just kind of got the word out. And then I would, you know, plan another one. And I was just always packing up my wares and putting them on people's walls. And then just kind of tried to go for getting in a gallery and... It just kind of took off very slowly and organically. And so it was just kind of one step after another. What was what were the things that were the most like frustrating that you were like, ugh, I just want to paint? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what were the other things that you that because anytime you do something as a business, no matter how much you love what you do, there's things about it that are that are gonna feel like work. So what were those for you? I think it's the same things today. It's just photographing your art, emailing people back. You know, there's always a million questions and, you know, Instagram is a love-hate relationship. I mean, it's so valuable that you just have to spend time with it and, you know, find the audience and the algorithm. And I don't know, it's just those little day-to-day things that I find really taxing um, Yeah, instead of just you know, keeping my head down and getting to my little studio. But I mean, you were the one that encouraged me to outsource those things. And that's been huge. This has given me a margin, especially with three kids now. And now with rugs, like I just have to stay in my lane and do what I'm good at and let other people do what they're good at. Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about rugs for a second, because with painting, um, and I just, I just want to say, I remember exactly where we were when you first started talking to me about the rugs and I, I remember thinking to myself, Oh no, this is, uh, Oh dear. Like I just could see all the, Oh, do you want to know what you said? Because I remember vividly. 
Oh, tell me. You said, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, bleep. That was harsh, you know? And I went home and I thought about it and I was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Like, she's a freaking genius with business and blah, blah, blah. And I felt so dumb for thinking about it. So, you know what? That's back at you for your little photography moment. You're exactly right. Yeah. You're exactly right. I do remember that now because I just remember thinking about the legalities of it. Totally. It's a nightmare. (laughs) It, the, the the legalities of it were like, I wouldn't touch the 10 foot pole because people give you thousands of dollars and then you're having to give thousands of dollars to a maker across, you know, the globe. And you, you hope that it comes out the way you want your design. There just was so, but see, this is where you're so good because you have all of that trust and faith, you know what I mean? In in you had that gut feeling that that's what you were supposed to do, yeah. which you just always got to go with that gut feeling, no matter what anyone says, especially yeah, me. And I think that's um, something that we're both a lot alike in is that we're brave, you know, and yeah. I've heard a lot about this lately is that God just made me brave. You know, like there were so many reasons why I should not have done that and not wired money to someone who I've never seen or heard his voice across the planet. I'm talking thousands of dollars like <laughs> thousands of dollars but you know it worked out and <laughs> it's great you know yes, it so, is. I don't know but the same with you I mean you are so brave in so many ways and just take chances on things that a lot of people would not ever ever take even the first step to do that's true. You know, I haven't thought about it that way, but you're right. You taking that shot with the rugs was just the same. Yeah, it's the same. I think I just, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you looked at like all everything that I've done and thought the same as yeah. I thought about your rug. It's just that I felt so convicted that like, no, this is going to work. And so did you. And so that's what it's all about at the end of the day is you just have to go with your gut. But here's the thing I want to say about the rug. So with painting, like that just seems so much more accessible to me. You know, like anyone can can go to an art store and pick up paint and canvas and, you know, be a hobby painter or or a professional painter. But rug design seems like a more difficult industry to get started in. And it just seems like there's so much more, you know, work as far as um, different people you're working with and that you have to trust in. So like, how did you get interested in rug design? Like, how did you pivot? Were you like sick of painting? How did all that happen? Yeah. Um, yes, it was a time in my life where, um, we adopted a little girl and she just had a lot of issues at the beginning. And I think for a long time it was just fight or flight. And I was just fighting to just keep my head above the water in a lot of ways. And that just, you know, when you're emotional and, you know, invested in something like that. And art to me is so emotionally invested. It just felt like I was just done, you know, and had no margin to get excited or happy and motivated and let alone inspired to come up with new work for a while. And so I would just pray. I was like, oh God, give me something. Give me inspiration. Give me a new idea because I'm just, I feel depleted. I always, always have loved rugs and I learned about textiles in school with apparel and then I knew graphic and design and Photoshop and all that when I went back to school for that. Then I worked for an interior designer. So it was like the first time that all of the things that I'm really good at and passionate about came together with rugs and 
I just decided that I didn't like the price point that was out there and I didn't like a lot of the colors that were out there. And so I just kind of reached out to someone and was like, hey, I have some ideas. Could you make these for me? And wired some money across the world. And then three months later, I opened a package and it was like the sky parted, this like moment. And it was the most beautiful rug I've ever seen in my life. And I thought, oh my gosh, this could be something really big. Yeah. They are beautiful. They are so beautiful. And you could, and you just came up with a new one with the scallops. Oh, I, want yeah. one of those. I want one of those for, for the, for my Airstream. <laughs> yeah. We'll make it as neutral as possible. It's going to be great. It's going to be perfect. Okay. Where do you think you get your creative inspiration from? People ask me this all the time. And I think it's just from what I see. I love clothes. I'm a clothes horse. I mean, I, and this is somewhere where we, we know we're so different. I could shop all day long. I mean, literally, it gives me energy. It makes me happy. When I have a bad day, all I want to do is go buy a new shirt on Shopbop. And it really does make me happier. It's sad to say, but it does. And so, I mean, I'll see a great shirt and color combination. I'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to put that in my next rug. Or, you know, walking down the street and I see a flower and this great pink. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to put that next to the green next time. I mean, it can just come from anything. Labels, wine labels. I love wine labels. Um, I don't know. Everywhere. I love you, honestly. I love the honesty about the shopping. So if I told you that um, I was going to drop you off, that someone, okay, someone was going to take the two of us and drop us off at TJ Maxx for an hour, what would you be thinking? See, I love TJ Maxx because you know what I love about TJ Maxx is the um, organizational aisle where you can go to the container store and spend a thousand dollars. You can go to TJ Maxx and go to their little bin aisle and it just makes me so happy. There's just things you just have to search for them. And there's that is my hell. I know that is my definition of hell. I know. <laughs> I know. And there I so many of my friends are like you. I mean, so many. And they're always like, Lindsay, I can't believe you go there on purpose. And I love it. I just love it. My You're so good at it. You ha- you go in with the right attitude. Here, that's the thing. That's the thing. If I would go in with an attitude of, you know, like, this place is awesome and I am going to find something great, then I'm sure I would. But I here's how I go in. I go in going, what I need is I need a, um, a specific um, organizer. For a specific drawer, let's say, let's say I want to organize, you know, my bra, 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 my bra and my underwear and my drawer. And I need a specific size. Okay. I can go to TJ Maxx and I could spend two hours trying to find that compartment. Or I can go right into the container store, find the exact size I'm looking for, and m- maybe it's $10 more, but I am in and out in five minutes. Yeah. I and for it's all about time. Yeah. I mean, I I guess I don't go, that's not my brain to be like, I want this size, this color, and that's more you. Like, you're bougie like that. Yeah, I am a bit. <laughs> I mean, we're both bougie, let's be honest, but like, I just don't come in premeditated in my thoughts on what's going to happen in TJ Maxx, you know, like you go shopping to be in 
inspired. I only go shopping if I need something. Yeah, I don't get that. I know. I know. I love it. I I mean, I love the, I love hearing about it. Can we tell about our shopping experience when we went to Bahamar? (laughs) Sure. Okay. So um, I am, I'm very big on when I travel, I want to go to the local market. I want to go to the where the where the where the local people are making things. Like that's the kind of shopping that I just love. I want to meet the maker. I want to talk to them. I want to know the history behind this basket they wove or whatever. And then I want to bring it home and I want to like remember the person I talked to and who I was. I want to know all of it. And that to me, like the story behind something is so important to me. And so it's our last day in the Bahamas. And I'm like, Lens, we got to go to the market. And we get in the car. And first of all, Lindsay thinks we shouldn't go, you know, anywhere because we're going to die. Um, uh, and so I, it's already a big, you know, ask because I go, I'll just go by myself. Like, I'm, it's not a big deal. Just, and she was like, you're not going by yourself. Well, um, a preface, there were other things in situations where you went by yourself to things that were really not smart. And I, you're acting like I'm a worry wart. I am the opposite. I mean, I'm like not afraid of stuff, but you true. just get in the car with some dude <laughs> and leave the premises by yourself. Like not happening. I would never forgive myself. It was in the middle of the day. Okay, anyway, so, but you're right. You are, Lindsay is like such a free spirit. Like she um, was almost known as like the bad girl, which is hysterical because we were such goody goodies. But like you were, you were like, no. you were like, uh, I the, the complex about it to this day, honestly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But you were, listen, we all should have, um, you know, like, Listen, you and I both know where we stand today, and it's it's totally different. So totally. anyway, going back to the Bahamas. So we, I, somehow she comes, she's like, you're not going alone, I'm coming with you. So I tell the driver that we would like to go to the market. Now, I didn't know that they had, you know, literally a stone's throw away, this like tourist market, right? That is um, completely set up for tourists. And there's nothing really um, authentic about it. It was all like the cheesy, uh, it says, everything says Bahamas and all that. And we were running out of time. We were running out of time. And I was like, so disappointed. You could see it on my face. I was just like, Linz, I just want to go to the market market. And, and he told us, I was like, how far away is it? And it was like an hour away or something. And it was our last day, the day before it had rained. It was beautiful. And I was like, and you were like, you were like, listen, it's, it's okay. You can get something from a shop in the hotel. Let's go lay out. And I was like, you're right. And so, but I did end up, we did go to a, to a store that had some local stuff in our hotel. And I got this really beautiful box and I use it every day. I keep my incense in it and my matches to light my candle every morning. And so I love it. So I do have the story, but I think that I, I just love like the history behind it, but it was so funny. Cause even on the way back to the hotel, you were like, please don't let this ruin your day. <laughs> Get to go to the authentic market, but please don't let this ruin your day. <laughs> no, and I love how like what you see is what you get with you. You know, it's like 
it was written all over your face how perturbed you were about the situation. And I was like, snap out of it. We're on vacation. You got a box. <laughs> there's no, there's, I can't fake it. I just can't I fake it. Either. It's just, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse. It really is. It really is. But I needed somebody at that moment to go snap out of it. Look at where we are. You got a pretty box. Let's go to the pool. Cause that's what, that's what we needed. Um, Okay, so do you get more questions on your Instagram in your DMs about your rugs or about your shoes? I'm so embarrassed to say about my shoes. I'm like, well, no, it's probably 50-50. But, I mean, I'm like, do I look like a blogger to you? I'm not a freaking blogger. Like, I'm not going to link my shoes to you. That's That's not my deal, you know? So... I guess I just don't respond to those people. I know that's probably bitchy, but I just can't do it. I'm like, I've got rugs and art. Not talking about my shoes, sister. Go to Shop Bob. But the thing is, is Lindsay always has the cutest shoes on. I mean, I'm literally in like, right. Let's just say, what are you wearing right now? Head to toe. Oh my gosh. You don't want to know. I do. I do. Well, I have a... Dr. Pepper t-shirt on because that is one of Kirk's, my husband's biggest client is Dr. Pepper. Love it. And I have on, oh my gosh, I have on Nancy Goodwin's shorts from high school. You're kidding. I stole these shorts from her. Does she know? I don't think she knows, but I will never give them back. They're from from the limited. And they have holes in them and they are so fugly, but they're my favorite shorts. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is hysterical. That is hysterical. Are you hoping I had on some great outfit? Yeah, because you normally do. Well, I just played tennis and came home and took a shower and this is what I'm wearing. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, normally, she would have on like some cute shirt with some jean shorts and like this amazing shoe. The reason why I asked the question about the shoes is she will show her rugs on Instagram. She'll be like, here's this new rug I got in and you know, yada, yada. But you, you're obviously showing the rug while you're walking, but your shoes are always so great that I think people are probably asking you about your shoes because yeah. they're so great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I like you're shoes. Welcome. shoes always fit. It's just, it's just good stuff. Shoes. It's just good. stuff. That's true. Um, can you spit? You touched on it a second ago, and I wanted to know if you wanted to talk about it at all because I think it's such a part of your story, and I think it's such a big part of your the impact that you're going to make on the world is about adoption and about your daughter Mary Charlotte. Can you talk a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. Um, I read a few books several years ago just about just being unselfish and like living for a purpose and what what is something that's in your wheelhouse that you can do to like bless other people and a lot of the things that they talk about were adoption and I remember thinking you know maybe I could do that you know I, I had two scary pregnancies and we wanted we knew we wanted another baby and um just kind of was like, maybe this is part of what we're supposed to do. And so I just kind of started to pray about it and do some research, which I hate and, um, would put my other two kids down for a nap and then just get online and start researching about what that looks like and the first steps. And, um, I remember my dad was a pastor growing up and I remember him speaking at this church and it was, 
about the sanctity of life and about adoption. And at the very end of the service, they stood up and they said, or the pastor got up and said, stand up if you were adopted. And so there was all these foster parents and adoptive parents in the front few rows that they'd invited to come that night. And they all stood up one by one. And then the pastor said, no, stand up if you were adopted. And one by one, every single person in the church stood up. And this is a big church. And it was just such a powerful moment about that we're all adopted into God's family. And he chose us. Um, And I never really shook that off. It was just something, such a picture of the gospel to me. And um, so we just kind of took the first step and was like, if this is not what it's supposed to be, just slam the door, God, and um, just kind of pray that if Kirk would would be on the same page with me that he'd be excited about it. And it turned out that he was. And um, it was literally just one step after the other until we were praying that just the door would be slammed and we'd be off the hook. But it never came. (laughs) (laughs) What are some really, because I think that people who don't experience, you know, what you've experienced firsthand, because here's the thing. Can I, can I, talk a little bit just about where you live. Sure. So Lindsay lives in um in in a very nice part of Dallas and the um diversity probably isn't high. A lot of people kind of uh do the same thing. I don't want to like put it in a box per se, but I think that that's one thing that Lindsay and I've talked about and I've said I could never live where you live. Like I I respect you living there. And I think that, but but Lindsay's heart comes from, I want to be the change or I want to be an example, or I want to show something different where I, in honestly, in a more selfish way, am like, there's nothing there that's challenging me or, or elevating me to be better. So I want to go where something is like you actually have more of a heart to be the elevator you know what I mean? The elevator, um, which I think is really awesome. And one of the things that I respect most about you, but you live in an area that doesn't have a lot of diversity and where there's not a lot of people adopting people of different ethnicities. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering, you know, and I think that this comes from a place of people just being curious, um, but what are things that people have said to you either in the adoption, um, process or or after Mary Charlotte um, was born and was here and was yours um, that is just insensitive and not like that you wish you could, you can't educate in school every person, right? That says something, but what is something that you would, you've got the platform to say, you know, hey, what to say, what not to say, what would you say? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think people for the most part were coming from a place of like you said, curiosity and just, you know, concern. And, um, but they'd say, how much did she cost? Or where did you get her from? And um, little kids, you know, of course, they're just innocent, would come up and say, are you her mommy? You know, and so, um, you know, it's just really teaching people the language of like, people, her mom didn't give her up. You know, if you say, I mean, that's just hurtful. You think of it. and But how else are you supposed to say it? You say, you know, her mommy placed her with the family or her mommy um, loved her so much but wasn't able to take care of her. And so she 
um, she really found someone who could, you know, and so it's little things like that, that I think, you know, our neighborhood is pretty small now that people know. Um, and there has been education in the last six years that people I think are very vocal about saying just how to communicate with that. But yeah, there's a lot of that. And there's a lot of like, why would you ever do that? And aren't you afraid? And yeah, we are afraid. And there are fears that I feel towards her and what her life is going to look like versus our other two kids. But I mean, I just think that in a lot of ways she was just her, she's given a second chance that she wouldn't have had before. And, you know, God's got such a plan for her little life that I just can't wait to see what that's going to look like. I love seeing so much how uh, Wynn and Shepard just rally around her. I mean, they just, it's, it's like a, I mean, almost just like this protective, like, this is my sister. You better back off. You know, like I just love their love for her. Yes. And, and even just with all of this, what's going on in the world, not to open up that cup, but just with Black Lives Matter and just the need for us all to accept one another. I'm just so proud, not in a, I'm better than you way, but just that our family has the opportunity to do that every day and what that looks mm-hmm. like and be yes. a picture where my kids are going to know what diversity looks like every day of their life, you know? And that was one of the major things where I was thinking, do I just want to be that perfect Christmas card that goes out, you know, or I have such a chance to, yes, this is going to be hard. And yes, this is really scary and it's not for everybody, but what if, like, what if we had the chance to do something really great with our family? And, you know, what if Shepard and Wynn want to adopt? Or what if Mary Charlotte one day wants to adopt because of the chance that we took? I mean, it could just be this chain reaction of love and sacrifice and really make a difference after a long period of time. I also think it's really interesting how, um, just as a mom and, you know, um, there's this image out there. There's this um, almost the script, right? That's out there. That's like, as soon as you have this baby, you're going to hold it in your arms and you're going to fall in love and it's going to be, you know, the most important being in your life. And I mean, definitely when you hold your child for the first time, it is, it is like, wow, you know, like, wow. But I also think for some people, like you gotta know, you gotta get to know one another. You know what I mean? And yeah, and oh my god, I, yes. <laughs> and I think that there's so much pressure. I think for women or for first time moms to be like, oh my gosh, I felt this instant whatever. And it's like, it's really okay if you didn't. Like it's okay. It's okay if it if it took a minute um, of yeah. getting to know one another and and of being committed committed to loving each other. You know, um, absolutely. And I'm sure that you, I mean, I know that you experienced a bit of that. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm looking back now, it's really comforting to know that I felt that way about all of them and not just the one that did not come from my body, you know, and even like my wonderful parents had my kids for 10 days and people are like, do you miss them? And I'm like, no, do you miss my kids? Why would I miss my children? I'm with them all the time. 
you know, like you always say I feel, that. I feel guilty about that because so many moms are just like, oh my God, I love my kid. And I want to smell my kid all the time. And I'm just like, I need a break for my child. I love you yeah. so much. Like you are my person, but go away for 15 minutes, please. You know? Right. Uh, totally. And yeah. And I think moms especially need that freedom just to be like, I don't have to be obsessed with my kids. You know, you are, if you are, that's awesome. You've been given a gift, like do that well, don't crush your children, but love them well, you know, but it's like, Mm -hmm. if you don't, then you've been given a gift too, that they're not your everything. And there's other things that you're interested in. And I mean, when I hang out with my friends, like, I don't really want to talk about my kids. I want to talk about what's going on in the world and, you know, how they're doing, how their marriage is. And just, I don't know. And I'm so thankful for that with you that we just have so many things to talk about. I mean, even on this podcast, we've already gone like to so many different areas. I know. It's so true. But um, yeah. And I mean, and two, I just, to do a little plug on adoption, if you have any tug in your heart, any, any sensitivity towards adoption or fostering, my, my word for you would just be like, be brave, take the first step. You know, you're going to know if it's the right thing to do and make a phone call or go to a, you know, some sort of conference where you can learn a little bit about it because it has been the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But it's also been, I think the thing that is the most important thing I'll ever do. And so just go for it. Does Mary Charlotte ask you questions yet? No, but we showed a picture to her of her mom, her birth mom. And that was a really hard day for me. I don't know. I was so surprised at how emotional I was. I think I just didn't want her to be confused or sad or whatever. But it ended up, I said, you know, Mary Charlotte, we have something really special to show you. And I won't go all into it, but... We showed her the picture and she was like, oh, that's great. Can I go watch a TV show now? And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, thank God. Like, yes, yeah. yes, baby. <laughs> show. You know, because it was just so draining. But um, no, she really does not ask questions at all. She'll say, my skin's brown or my hair is really brown or I have a big tan or something like that. And we say, yes, you have beautiful hair. Your hair is so shiny. Oh my gosh, you have beautiful skin. And, um, but the questions haven't really come yet. Yeah. Which we should probably tell people, we believe that Mary Charlotte is half Hispanic, half Asian, right? (laughs) So I know that her birth mom is Hispanic, but I don't know. We don't know anything about her father, but everybody thinks she's Asian. I prayed for an Asian baby the whole time that we were waiting. And I don't know. We need to do like this. What is it called? 30 something in me. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, eventually we will. Someone came came up to you at the grocery store and said, and I mean, clearly saw y'all and knew that that you had adopted this baby and said her, uh, one of her parents is Asian. Yeah. Didn't that happen? Well, I ask people this a lot. It's very awkward and whatever, but it's really fun for me. But I'll, I'll go up to someone and say, excuse me. You look a lot lot like my daughter. And they look at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, oh, she's adopted. So where are you from? Tell me a little bit about yourself. And it always ends up being the best conversation. And they show me pictures of their kids. And I'm like, holy crap, they look so much alike. So I think that she's Filipino. 
Yeah. 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 Close to that because. So beautiful. I mean, you know, you know my heart for biracial children. I think that biracial children are the most beautiful children on the planet. Oh, yeah. Like that. I, I, all, all the time I, I say to Brian, why weren't you another race? Because <laughs> I mean, I just, I just think that biracial children are the most beautiful children on the planet. I just do. And Mary Charlotte is for sure. I mean, just beautiful. Y'all got to go check out Lindsay's Instagram so you can see some pictures. But wow. what do you think, um, are some of the biggest mistakes that you've made that have turned into like really great lessons? It could be personally, it could be professionally, it could be with adoption, it could be whatever. Like, what do you think is something that you're like, that was hard, that was painful, but man, look where, look where I am now because of it. Mm, that's a good question. Take a sip of your drink. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take a sip of mine. <laughs> We're, we're recording on a Friday afternoon. It's the last thing we're going to I know. God, way to put, put a girl on the spot. Um, mistakes that have become good things. I would just say not allowing myself to like be afraid in the moment and saying, no, that's not going to work out or no, I don't have what it takes for that or this is a bad idea instead of just trying it and just saying, this could really work out you know, or, you know, just letting my emotions get the best of me. And I don't really have like a specific example of that, but I really had to learn to not live on how I feel and really just say, what are the facts? Like Kirk always says that to me. It drives me bonkers. <laughs> Lindsay, look at the facts, you know, and I just want to like pelt him in the face, but, um, but it's true. Oh my gosh. It's so true. Just to, I've really had to learn to not live on how I feel and to move on and like, what do I know to be true? That oh, that's so true. I don't know. What would you say? I would say one of the biggest lessons that I learned was putting my decision making into someone else's hands. Mm. Um, there was, there were a couple years where everything I did, I, uh, asked someone else, you know, like, do you think this is a good idea? And if that person said, yes, I did it. And if they said, no, I didn't. And, um, that was a hard lesson when that relationship ended, but it was like, I mean, when I started listening to myself again, um, is when my business really soared. And when I started, you know, kind of soaring as a person, meaning just like uh, doing, doing better, with myself, I was a better mom, I was a better wife, I was better, all those things, because I was listening to myself and no longer looking for, um, honestly, the easy way out. It's a lot easier to just text somebody or to call someone and say, do you think I should do this or this? Yeah. Do you think my budget should be this or this? You know what I mean? Yeah. And when I started just really owning those things on my own is when things got better. Sleeping with a Stranger is officially available everywhere books are sold in hardcover, paperback, ebook, and audiobook. Since the book's launch, I've been amazed by how it's been received. From being named a bestseller by USA Today, The Wall Street Journal, Amazon, and Barnes and Noble, to incredibly personal and touching reviews from my amazing readers, it's been such a wild journey. Here's one of my favorite reviews. If you're even remotely on the fence about getting this book, just go ahead and purchase it. I promise you won't regret it. 
I normally don't write a lot of reviews, but in this case, it was a must. Jessica gives you a total glimpse into her and her family's life. She not only tells the story, but she tells it with a sense of humor while also being completely open and honest. I truly believe everyone can get something out of or relate to her story in some way. I honestly cannot emphasize just how much I loved this book. I will definitely be purchasing more to give to friends and family. I can't wait to share this story with you. To get your copy, go to jessicazimmerman.com today or wherever books are sold. And to make sure you get all my upcoming book tour updates, join the newsletter list now. Can you talk a little bit about entrepreneurship as a woman and how it can be uh, lonely and how important has it been to have friendships with people who really understand what entrepreneurship looks like and ask, you know, questions about your job? Right. Um, So my family's pretty traditional, like Kirk is pretty much the breadwinner. And for a long time, my money went to savings or to something fun, like a trip or, you know, renovation in our home or whatever. And so his job always comes first, you know, like he doesn't make me feel that way necessarily, but at the end of the day, you know, his schedule comes first. We, we work around his work. And so I think for me in a lot of ways, as my business has grown and has needed more time and space and thought, you know, I've felt honestly a little bit resentful towards that because it's like, I'm always working around someone else. Mm-hmm. So I think as a woman, um, wanting to be supportive of her husband and, you know, and knowing that in a lot of ways that is more vital than my business, um, of just kind of realizing what that looks like for me and getting more help and, um, you know, doing my own thing, honestly. And if it doesn't work out for us as a couple, then we're just not going to do that that night anymore where I used to finagle everything to work out. Does that make sense? And so I think it's just totally. um, allowing myself the space for more help and not feeling bad about that and also making time for myself to be excited about something or like, I'm so embarrassed to say this, but tennis for me is such an outlet. Like I've got to have something like that that I look forward to or exercising because it's this constant juggle of dropping the kids off, picking them up. That's my first job, you know, and wanting that to be my, my main job. But also I have this other important thing that I'm trying to fit into this day of mine that can be super chaotic. And I think at the end of the day, it's just allowing myself to not feel like I'm dropping balls, but that only one person, you know, and I really don't have that many employees. I have like a, an assistant, but um, it's really me doing most of all the different facets of my job. And so that can be stressful, but it's just giving myself grace and also a chance to do stuff that's really fun and life-giving. Yeah. When you and I, you know, we started taking trips together, like how important is that? Like to invest in time with a friend just for fun and, you know, not have to worry about being a mom, a wife, a business owner, but just like women who can take a few days to be together. Yeah. I mean, I would say it's everything. It's what I look forward to most in life is being with my friends and 
Um, that's what life is about. I mean, I love my job. I love my family. Um, but we all need that. And not, it doesn't even have to be a big trip. You know, like we talked about today, we're like, let's just go meet somewhere in the middle. I don't care what it, where it is or what we're doing. I just want to say. I know because of COVID, our, our plans got, got hacked, but we are, I'm, I'm coming to death. We, we just talked earlier. We were like, we're going to send Kirk and the kids away Somewhere. and I'm going to come to your house and we're just going to go like hang out in Dallas. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I think it's so important. I mean, what would you say? Oh, I think it's everything. And I think I neglected that for a really long time. And I think that that's part of why I became so isolated and became honestly, you know, kind of mean, like a mean version of myself. And I lost who I was um, because I never feel more. I don't listen. I, I love my husband. There's no one who uh, supports me more. You know, I mean, I could give him I could tell him the worst idea ever and he'd be like, I believe in you, babe. You know what I mean? Like he it, 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 also there's no one else who's going to put up with me. OK, like he. Yeah, I thought about that this morning. I um, I usually get up really early, but this I didn't feel that great last night. I ended up sleeping in. And that man, I mean, we've been together how long? 20 years. He so brought me eggs, bacon, and toast in bed. What? And orange juice. I mean, no one else is going to do that for me. Like, I wouldn't even do that for me. You know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, there's such no, an appreciation. Ryan Zimmerman is a gem. He will have. He's a gem. He will carry a wagon in heaven with all of its jewels behind him. Because he will. He's just that guy. I mean, the salt of the earth love him. And you're right. He he puts up with a lot. <laughs> he does. And I mean, and you know, uh, the flip side is that he he actually said to me last night because he walked in the door, and I go. I'm craving catfish. And he goes, I just never know what you're going to say. Like, I just, I never know what you're going to say. And I love that. I love that I get to walk in and it's so unpredictable. And um, so, I mean, there's, there's, there's things on both sides, but yes, to the, to the, I mean, that man is so good to me and my kids are so wonderful, but I will say I, I feel the most known. Yes. Yeah. When I am one-on-one with you. And yeah. I think it's because we can relate on being a mom, on being a wife, on being a business owner, on, you know, uh, being a friend. Like there's just uh, on on being vulnerable. Um, you know, that's something I've really had to teach Brian mm-hmm. over the past 20 years. And um, and it's really great to just be able to be vulnerable and not have to be like, Okay, well, this is an exercise in, you know, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's nice to just be like, I feel my most self. I feel my most seen. I feel my most heard um, when I am just one on one with you. And that is, that is a gift that I don't think everyone gets an opportunity to um, experience. Yeah. And I'm just really grateful for that. Mm, I'm grateful too. I love you so much. I love you too. Okay, second to last question. Okay. Um, you who have known me as long as anyone, what's one thing you know about me that you think my audience might not know, but they should? Oh, wow. It just depends on how much I want to divulge right now in this moment. 
<laughs> um, Jessica can dance. I mean, <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm gonna have to give two. First one, she can booty dance best, better than anybody. Like, she should be on So You Think You Could Dance. She would kill it. Like, I remember in cheerleading. She was the one that came up with the dance, was teaching it to everybody. And I mean, I can like ghetto dance at prom with the best of them, but like coming up with like an eight, you know, eight count and remembering it and all that. No, she dominated it. I mean, killed it. She is such a good dancer. I have video footage on my phone that I could. Yes, she can dance. That's hysterical. Um, Love it. Um, Second... I would say that she eats, used to eat like a trucker in his truck. Uh huh. And would eat, you may have already talked about this a lot in your podcast, actually. So they might know this about you, but I mean, loved just pork rinds, maybe. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the grossest thing I can think of that you would eat. I mean, gross, gross stuff. Yeah. But. I was thinking about this today, actually, like if I had to, d- to think of three words that I would pick just for all you listeners to get to know her would be number one, determined, like you just go after it and you get it and you succeed. And it's really remarkable as your friend to watch. I mean, you're just so inspiring and it's just been really incredible what you've built. Um, Second, I would say funny. You are, I mean, nobody makes me laugh like you laugh. And I remember you saying like, you say things to people like at school or whatever on like parents night and people just stare at you. And I can't, I can't imagine that. No one here understands me. No one here, they don't get it. They don't understand me. I talk (laughs) the way I talk to you all the time and everyone just stares at me blankly. And I'm like, that was effing hilarious. Like I don't understand that. How you, I will also say, so on our last trip, Lindsay and I were in, um, we had uh, two queen beds. She was in one, I was in the other, and it started raining. We're in the freaking Bahamas. And um, and she goes, okay, we're going to make the best of this. And we are going to watch some, uh, like a series together. And you said, have you seen Dead to Me on Netflix? And I was like, no. And I'm one who like, I'm like, if you, you tell me a series I've never heard of, I'm like, that's probably not any good. Like, I know that's bad. I know that's bad. But I'm just like, I don't want to get into a new series. And um, and you were like, no, no, no. You've got to watch it because the main character reminds me of you. <laughs> and then I, I go, okay, let me see the like preview or whatever. And who you're referring to is Christina Applegate, by the I way. I love. She's hysterical. And the opening scene that you show me is this neighbor coming with like a with like a, a casserole. And she's like, Hi, I'm sorry, your husband died. I made you this casserole. And Christina Applegate is pretty much like, Okay, thanks, F you, shuts the door. And I was like, yeah. Really? That's how you think of me? <laughs> hilarious and i just finished the second season and what? it is so there's a second season oh you gotta watch it so good okay. it's so good you'll love it i mean christina applegate just has me rolling like i'm just 
Uh, and you're right. And I told Brian what you said and he watched it and he goes, oh, Lindsay's kind of right. Like you would say, because it's what, it's what Christina Applegate says under her breath. Yes. But like I also say under my breath. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just funny. It's just funny. But um, okay, go ahead. No. Okay. Last, I lost my train of thought. Um, I don't know. Let's just end on that. You're just funny. Okay, Love it. I agree. I agree. Let's end. Um, okay. Um, final question. If you had Oprah's money, okay, so you had billions of dollars Mm -hmm. and you had to buy something just for you, totally selfish. We're not, I know this won't be a problem, but we're not thinking about Kirk or thinking. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Thank you. I guess I deserve that. (laughs) We're just thinking about you. I I don't have a problem answering the question either. So, I mean, I'm like, I'm like, oh, just for me. Yeah, I can answer. So many people I ask that and they're like, Oh gosh, huh? Not for anyone else. And I'm like, really? Um, so, <laughs> so what would it? What would it be? Uh, you had to buy something for you. I would buy like a second home in like Santa Barbara, where I can leave my family and go spend <laughs> by myself with you or someone else. I mean, just somewhere to go. I think more than anything, like now I crave just like being able to get away from yeah. the world and recharge. Yes. Just a place to be myself or, you know, if I had like a studio in the back and paint if I wanted to and not feel like I have to, but yeah, totally say a second house with big windows and big ass pool. Lots of color. Lot, well, you know, maybe I might not want color at this house, okay? Okay, let's say you were going to decorate that house. What would the color scheme be? What? And it's all going to stem from the rug, right? I mean, I just wouldn't want to think about that at this house. I would just be oh, like, okay. I'll just get... You would totally I, think I, about I was, that. You would 100% Oprah, think about that. I would hire Jeremiah Brandt to come over and just walk, oh, in, walk around well, for a while. Gonna, and then like, yeah. Have him over with old Nate cocktail. How beautiful are they? I know. I know. They're so beautiful. Yeah. I love them. Okay. Um, That's really it. Okay. Tell everybody where they can find you because they're falling in love with you and now they want to um, (laughs) find out more. They want to buy your art. They want to buy your rugs. They want to go see Mary Charlotte and Wynn and Shepard and all that good stuff. Um, My website is lindsaymeyerart.com. And um, Lindsay Meyer Art on Instagram is probably the easiest way. Yep. This has been really fun. I know. We should do this again. We've talked about this so long and I'm kind of sad it's over. I know. We will. We'll do another one because I'm sure people will write in and be like, I need to mo- know more about Lindsay. I know. Don't um, I'm Lily at the beginning of the book. She's, <laughs> she's a really good friend. You're going to like her. She's the best. She's the best. I'm so grateful. I mean, every night when I say my prayers, I thank God for you mm-hmm. because I'm so, um, I just feel really honored, you know, to get to be with someone, uh, to be a friend with someone who is so non judgmental, who I can literally say anything to. I mean, I have said some things to you that I would never say to anybody. You know what I mean? I mean, and you still love me. Well, and so, tell them what you said about the book, how you wrote it. I thought that was really sweet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So when I first started writing the book, I I couldn't imagine um, if I if I looked at it from the perspective of other people are going to read this, I don't think I would have been 
as honest as I would. I don't think I would have shared every detail, but I had to just um, come from a place of, <laughs> I thought, let's imagine Lindsay's in jail <laughs> and let's imagine she is, uh, she has a life sentence. Obviously she's, you know, wrongfully accused. I mean, you didn't do anything, <laughs> but you are, you are in, you know, um, incarceration for life. And the only um, communication you have is through letter. And you wrote to me and you said, tell me everything. <laughs> and so I wrote, that's how the, I wrote the book is I just wrote, like I was writing to Lindsay in prison and this was the last thing she was ever going to read. <laughs> and so I told her everything. And that is the only way that I felt really comfortable in sharing all that I shared. You know, I mean, who, who shares about their awkward sex encounters and stuff like that, thinking everyone's going to read it? No one, but you wouldn't judge me for that. And I don't know, I think there's just a really beautiful part of the book that shows that so clearly. And I think that's why I get messages all the time saying, I wish I had a lily in my life. So, well, I'm so honored that you told me and, you know, and you didn't really share this in the book that there were, you know, no one really knew what was going on for so long, but I knew pieces, you know, and like, I knew enough to ask what's going on, you know, and I would just was so honored that you felt like you could share those things with me and you felt like I was a safe place to land. Yeah. I think what's so wonderful about you and how you are as a friend and as a person is that you don't come from a place of needing to fix it. You know what I mean? You're mm -hmm. able to just naturally like there's zero judgment. I know you're not going to tell a soul and there is, there is, you're able to go, I understand why you feel that way. I get that. And just hold space. And I think that so many people today feel like they have to, uh, they think if you tell me, that means I can also tell my husband. That's not true. Mm -hmm. um, and they also think like, oh, I need to, I, she, she told me this because she needs my help. She needs me to help fix it. And that's so not the case. And so I think I would just encourage people to be really good listeners. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Which has been, yeah, I mean, that's an exercise for me every day. Mm -hmm. Every day. Fail at it all the time, but I try. Um, okay, so uh, let's pick a date. And I'm coming to Dallas and we're hanging out. Love it. I miss you so much. Miss you. I love you. Love you too. I hope you all loved this episode with Lindsay. So many of you have said that you wish you had your own Lindsay, and gosh, I want that for you too. I hope this conversation showed you that Lindsay and I don't live the same lives or agree about everything, but we're committed to showing up for each other, asking hard questions, and choosing each other year after year. My relationship with Lindsay is one of the most special things in my life, and I'm so grateful to share an inside look with you today and in the book with the character of Lily. If you do have a Lily in your life, make sure you tell them how much you love them. Thanks for listening, Zimmerman Podcast listeners. I'll see you back here next week. <laughs>